brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. ready to learn everything you ever wanted to know and a whole lot that you didn't it's time for a chats episode hi welcome to the chats episode with sip southern smokes and i'm your host good old boy barger and with me today is jeremy from wildfire cigars say hi how's it going right now we're going to do what i like to call a blind tasting and if you've ever listened to any of our episodes we like blind tastings so what I want to do with our chats is kind of fly by the seat of our pants and let's just see what happens. We're going to have a conversation about life, love, and the pursuit of cigars. So I hope you enjoy it. Nice. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what we got. Uh, we're going to just cut and light and see what happens. I'm into this. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, baby. Freshly, freshly sharpened cutter from XII Knives. Great knives if you ever have a chance to get one get one so i like to think about what makes people tick so you are a man of many talents something like that yeah um, of many things many things talents, i mean this is questionable but I'll, but i'll take it subjective right yeah so what makes you tick <laughs> I guess it depends on the time of the day, but uh, no, um, honestly, I, honestly, music. Yeah? Yeah. It is not how I make a living, but just listening to it, playing it, watching it, absorbing it, it is definitely what makes me tick. All right. So, top five albums... To be on a desert island with. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, can these albums be like a best of compilation? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, because then you get like, you know, particular hits. I mean, there might be. All right, I'd probably go with Best of Mountain. Okay. Uh, for sure. I'd probably have. Uh, Pearl Jam 10. Really? Great album, but not the band I would have chose. Uh, um, probably go with... This is going to change, you know, five minutes from now when I realize all the things I hadn't thought of, but... Uh, you can just shout them out at any moment. Yeah. Um, probably Quicksand Slip. Ooh, that's a good album. Um... Maybe I might for the I might do like best of Hank Williams. Junior or senior? Senior. Okay. Gotta distinguish that. Yeah, yeah. Well for sure. And they're both good, but they're totally different. You're right. I got a funny story about Hank Williams, by the way. But well, let's uh, hear it. Because you so, got one album left now. Yeah, and it gives me time to kind of think of it. Um when I was uh my family primarily from Montgomery, Alabama. Mm -hmm. 
and my my papa he was a, a wood carver okay he he worked as an electrician by like for refrigerators by his prime like his trade sure but he was really into like whittling and carving and uh so one of the times i was down there i was like oh i'm gonna go to the hank williams museum i'm like you want to go with me and he was like nah and he's like hey when you're there see if Kalijah's still out front and i was like all right why and he's like because i carved it the wooden indian yeah no so i pull up and sure enough, there's a Kalijah still there, and it's signed by Eugene McDonald, like carved into it. But every artist known to man has signed it over the years. Really? From like Garth Brooks to, you know, Waylon Jennings to Willie Nelson, like Johnny Cash. They've wow. all signed this thing. And I was like, this is a moment like of music history I'm a part of. Yeah. Did you, you know, sign it? No, they, I, and I told them, I'm like, this is my the grandpa that made this. And they were like, all right, it's seven bucks to get in. <laughs> <laughs> they gave no fucks. <laughs> Don't you love that? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, this is part of my family's history here. And, yeah. you know, I'd have hooked a chain to it and took yeah. it off. Be like, if you don't like it, fuck it. I'm telling you, there's a day and a time yep. that that collage is going to disappear and end in my house. I don't know how or when yet, but yeah, there will be a day. That I, I will obtain that. I do notice you got a 68 shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is a killer dude, man. I met him when he was playing with Ludacris years and mm. years ago. He'd come up to a town in Kentucky where I was, and we opened up for him. Which would then they became Norma Jean. Yeah, then it was Norma Jean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll actually be seeing them this weekend at uh, Furnace Fest this weekend. I will be seeing you there. Really? I didn't, I didn't know. Yes. I run the gates. Oh, yeah? I've run them every year. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm the guy with the bullhorn out there yelling people, yelling at people. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have some cigars while we're there. This, uh, yeah, I, I, I recently went and saw them open for Sparta because Sparta was doing the reunion tour of, like, I forget the, the album. But honestly, they showed him up so bad it it was it was sad because everyone was there he's for a Sparta, performer man they annihilated awesome. sparta annihilate like and it was so powerful and so big and so fun and then sparta came on and they were like see you later tired <laughs> and their voices weren't there and it's like you know all these memorable songs but it was yeah. just like oh man you just got shown up that that so josh and the other guys in 68 are such performers man even back when he had the chariot mm -hmm. which is if you've never seen the chariot then i'm sorry that that's history it's gone came and went but geez man if you had an opportunity to did you ever see him in the chariot no no, I knew that. I mean, <sighs> where he came from. Man, but I, I've no, seen I did not. dude hanging off rafters playing. I've seen him jumping off a stage, diving, playing. I've those dudes have done everything, man. It is crazy, but they're phenomenal musicians. So, album number five. Um, this is tough. I'm gonna have to. All right, I'll ask you after this next question. Then, yeah, hold on to that one. Why did you get into cigars? So when I was growing up, um, every holiday, my two uncles would sit out on the porch and they would share a cigar to, with each other. 
And like one cigar between the both of them? Like two bros, one stick? Right, essentially. No, they would each be having one. <laughs> and I just remember like being a kid and no one in my family like smokes. It's like faux pas, you know? So, mm -hmm. and I kept, I'd see them and I'd be like, man, that's what men do. Right? Like I right. just had this like, this, this is what I want to do. And occasionally I would get a like, a little puff off of it, but they'd be like, don't tell your ma, you know? And I would, I would. Right. So when I was 10, one of my uncles passed and then that tradition kind of stopped. So I had told, always told myself like, when I get old enough to smoke cigars, I'm going to bring them to the holidays and me and my other uncle are going to sit there and we're going to smoke it. So yeah. it was from 10. So eight years after my uncle had passed, I, I showed up with a cigar and I just knew I was going to love them. Like, cause right. I, it Instinctively. Yeah. And so I had already, on my 18th birthday, I went to 7-Eleven because I didn't know about proper cigar stores. Sure, sure. So I got some Garcia Vegas and a Snapple and sat Ooh. in my parents' backyard and thought I was, you know. The shit. The, I was living 10 feet tall. Hell yeah. But I got, I, I, but I loved it. The experience, the feel of it. And then it was shortly after that I found out like cigar. Culture. Culture and shops. And I started going in. And uh, I would go into a shop, and I kind of found my primary shop I went to. And then I was like, I really like this. wonder if I can. I was looking for a second job. Yeah. So I asked them, and they were like, oh, we don't need any help. But about a year later, they said, hey, are you still interested? And I was like, yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Sweep, clean, whatever. Absolutely. And they were like, oh, well, we're heading. At that point, it was the RTDA. Yeah. And they're like, you we need someone to cover the shop. Uh, so I took vacation from my job and then worked mm -hmm. for a week and a half. And then I never left. <laughs> there you go. And and so I worked there part-time, but then part-time turned into full-time and then full-time turned into ordering. And I was there for just shy of 12 years. And then in that process, I was like, you know, I, I was both feet in and I was like, I want to get on the other side of this. Yeah. And so I started repping for companies, and I'm out of California, so I'd have, like, the West Coast. Who'd as you my, rep for? So Christian Rowe, when he started CLE, okay. um, that was my first gig. Okay. And then during that time Great with cigars. him, I met Robert Caldwell, who had the Winwood brand. Yeah. And he and I hit it off just on a friend level and kind of cigar nerd. And so when he broke off, he... You know, he, he split, and then he was like, I'm going to start Caldwell Cigars. And he's like, you want to come with me? And I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. So Funny I, thing, <laughs> funny story is hmm. Caldwell, Robert Caldwell, was supposed to be our first Chats episode. Oh, I'm so glad I beat him to it. <laughs> Just so I can be like, I did it before you did. Yeah. Yeah. He was. I was trying to get him in person, but it's going to end up being a Zoom because, you know, he's living overseas now at the moment so he's trying to spain more yeah yeah trying to get that dual citizenship action going so so yeah i worked with him for eight and a half years and then i was the national sales manager and a partner in the brand and then i just hit the end of my road with that like i was getting poached from other companies to do the same thing for yeah. them and i was like i just don't want to do this any like in this manner right I'd rather like, do this for I me. I feel like I had done everything 
we, I felt like we at Caldwell had done everything we set out to do. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, where now? Now we're just a company that's just existing because, but like all those goals and those things we wanted to achieve, we did. Right. So I was like, I'm, I want to break off and do my own. And I, he was the first person I called to talk to him about it. And he was like, go for it. It's your time. That's awesome. So that's awesome. I love the encouragement from other, from, where you're working and literally making other people's money for them. And if they're like, dude, I believe in you, you are a, like a solid dude, like go do this. That's props to Robert, man. That's huge. Cause especially if you're losing your best guy, you know, there's hundreds of different people bond lined up behind all of us to do our jobs, you know? Well, that's kind of dwindling now, but yeah, no, for sure. I mean, in like, you know, I live in California, so you can't really uphold a non-compete. Mm-hmm. But, like, we had agreements, and they were like, don't worry about it. And you'll still, like, remain, like, with your partnership equity in this. Like, they were like, it's your turn, so go yeah. do it. And it, it's funny, at the first trade show I was at, everyone was trying to find the dirt, like, what happened between you and Rob? Right, like, right, well, right. And I'll be like, you wouldn't believe it, man. It was so fucking dirty. I went to him, and I said, hey, Rob. I want to do my own cigar. And he said, go for it. Yeah. Like, like people were just like, no, no, what's the real story? And right, I'm like, right, that, right. When you don't burn bridges and you have healthy relationships, it doesn't, you know, maybe shit can come and bite you. I mean, because well, things sure. are unpredictable, but like for the most part, people are going to be encouraging to like your endeavors and what you want to do. That's what I've kind of found out about the cigar industry. And I'm, I've, I've worked in retail in a cigar shop in Franklin, you know, for a year or so. And then I kind of got away from the, the, the life, but then I came back, you know, with this show, Sip, Suds and Smokes, I've always been a consumer and I've kept notes and kept things for cigars. I did a little bit of writing for cigar press. Thor's a great dude. And I'm actually running to him again and I'll probably end up writing for him some more. So it, it's, so encouraging how the ebbs and flows of this it's like when you meet these people and you become friends with these people it's like they don't forget you like it's hey we're here and everyone seems to be encouraging you know and it's like a lot of the larger people that just soak up all the brands like those are the where it's easy to get lost at sure but man these brick and mortar mom and pop like the people that work with the people in the fields and in the you know the rolling facilities and all those it's just crazy like i was just watching a documentary the other day with benjamin um can't think of it for the life of me but it was about cuba and how all the the when the people left cuba and went to the dr and went to nicaragua and all Mm -hmm. that i don't know have you seen that it's on youtube no i'll find it and send you a link to it but it's unreal like all of the different manufacturers are like yeah we left there we left there and like Cubans were out to kill us. Like at one point, Padron, I don't know if you know any anything about their history, but their all their rolling facilities got bombed. Yeah, I mean, I know that they, amongst a few other, some intentionally and some because of you know unrest politically and yeah, stuff, yeah, but like yeah. with Koya and things like that. But yeah, where factories were burned down and they had to like continually start from scratch. Yeah, that's just crazy, man. Yeah. Like I had no idea of that side. And like diving deeper into my passions, it's like unveiling all these 
fully rounded aspects of life and culture. And it's just like trying to engorge and, and, and engross yourself in them is, is just like mind blowing. So what, what was the first cigar you released or, or that you blended, helped blend? So the first cigar um, was a cigar that has not seen the light of day. So when I was working with Caldwell and I'd go down to the factory, I'd started messing around under the guidance, like with Henderson Ventura. Okay. And we were going to make a cigar that was going to be kind of an event only because I was doing much more of the events and out front than Rob was, mm -hmm. at, you know, in the latter part of my time with them. So I was like, let's make an, a, an event only cigar that like, I can bring and it'll help incentivize sales and stuff like that. So we had worked on a blend, but it never, we never pulled the trigger on it. So when I launched was developing the, you know, I launched with the single, mm -hmm. the single was originally the blend that we had worked on, but Henderson didn't have notes on it and I didn't have notes on it. I only had a few cigars left. Right. So I had gone to another factory and I'll, I'll leave the factory unnamed sure. because I didn't end up. And so I sent them the cigars and then they kind of deconstructed it. Yeah. Right. To figure out the blends. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be the single. The problem was, you know, during covid everything just went to a halt because like getting any kind of raw materials was impossible and cigars sales went through the roof right so at first it was we're pushing you back three months then it turned to six months then it turned to nine months and i was like i can't launch this cigar so i'm like i'd like to blend back and they were like well since we modified it it's technically our blend now and oh. so i was like okay fuck you so then yeah. i went i had already set up the revivalist um with hoya because they were going to be my primary factory but i was going to use different factories for le's right that was kind of been my mindset the whole yeah. time go to different countries of origin and work with different tobaccos and those can be the le things but um we ended up developing the single actually like very like quickly because we had already like had a timeline and date of launch so it was like pressure cooker time so they under their guidance we they helped get the single together and it's not the same blend as the first blend that was you know and and that's the thing i knew the components but i didn't know the ratios right and the, but that's everything you right. Know, so it was like how much of this leaf, how much of yeah, that. Yeah, and so like the it's kind of a bummer that that factory kind of did me dirty right. in that way, but it's like karma, man. Karma will come back. Yeah. It's like I just moved on and it's like all right, write it off. Yeah. Just got to press on. So the first cigar that was blended never has seen the light of day. Okay. Well, what do you think about this cigar? Any thoughts of what it might, might be? I, I think I might have some ideas. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, you already want me to like name it? Oh, no. That's, I just want to hear. What do you think? I mean, there's there's a nice spice to it. It's it's familiar to me. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's got a little sweet spice. Like it's, it's hitting my palate right. My, I'm enjoying it. Oh man, I've smoked so many of these cigars. It's unreal. Um, 
when you're not smoking wildfire cigars, what do you smoke? Primarily, my go-tos are either going to be like Epernay, uh, Illusione. I love Illusione. Um, he was kind of weird at the uh, PCA with me, though. I think he was in a bad mood. I think yeah. that just was across the board because I went to go talk to him, and I've got a pretty good relationship yeah. with him. And he kind of had this look like, not the time, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so that's I was like, this isn't me too. about me, so I'm just going to exit. Yeah, I kind of steered clear. I didn't want to push it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going down. I'd love to get him on one of these. That's my goal is Dude, to help, you know, get all these people on these these chats. He is. I'm friends with him on Facebook. We, I, I watch a lot of his shenanigans, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty he, funny. Just his understanding of tobacco. Like, yeah. I, I could dream to have that like kind of knowledge you know yeah. an understanding of how tobaccos play with each other and just the different primings and it's like you know yeah hats off to him man he's, yeah he's, he blends some fantastic cigars yeah so epernay um i like some of foundation stuff mm. i smoke a lot of nick's stuff yeah, um, he was cool as hell at the PCA with us. Yeah, he's a he's a real good dude. Their yeah. new blend that they debuted that it's not out yet. Yeah. But uh I forget the name of it, but it's got the dude's face on it. Uh, mm -hmm. He gave me a couple of them and I smoked them and I was like, best cigar of the show. Yeah. Like this this just like it was so good. Um so I really like some of his and then I love Padrone. Yeah, it's, it's hard like, to beat a good Padron. Yeah, I mean, even the two thousand, three thousand series is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're they're one trick ponies, yep, oily, but they're delicious. Yeah, they're delicious. Like, That's I don't a, I don't need everything to be like every five minutes changing on me. If it tastes damn good, just leave it. And it's, yeah, so it's like a, it, it's a Butterfinger. We love Butterfingers. Why do we Why do we eat Butterfingers? Because we love Butterfingers. I mean, not to say that Butterfinger is not going to send us a box of Butterfingers, but you know, whatever. If they do, cool. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll send little, you some Butterfingers if they do. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But, like, you know, there's no variance of it. It's yeah. just a freaking Butterfinger, mm -hmm. you know, and sells out everywhere all the time. But that's kind of how I feel about Padron as well. It's like, yeah, they're a one-trick pony, but they are a very distinct cigar. Yeah. Like, if you, if, if someone next to you lit up Padron, you're like, that's a Padron, isn't it? I know that smell. I know that. And the crazy thing is, is like, just, I mean, you always have people say like, oh, it's not what it was. Or, you know, like refer, like it's changed. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is one of the most consistent cigars. And it's like when I want that, hundreds of cigars have attempted to be Padron. Right. And still no one has become Padron. And I don't just mean as far as a company. I mean the cigar itself. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's just like, whatever they do, whatever voodoo is in that cigar like it it just it always delivers so it's like i don't attempt i don't i'm not the guy that's like well this is like padrone-esque but at half the price i'm like no i just want a padrone if i want a padrone yeah right 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 so out of hmm, how do i ask this question what do you think about when you're blending your cigars um a profile that i want to exist like it's it's it all begins with what i'm going for as the outcome 
mm-hmm. and then it's trying to find a way in the path to get that. So sure. what tobaccos will help give this nuance and the, you know because I'm very new to the the blending realm yeah. of of cigars. How and long have you been blending for? Since I started this company, and which was when <laughs> I launched, you know, July of of 21. 21 yeah. So I mean like, you know, the beginning of 21 uh, and here's a here's a perfect story i you know everyone is like i know tobacco i know tobacco and everyone goes down to the factory on a tour and then they get to like put together a cigar and they're always like you know at the end of the factory they give them an option of tobaccos and yeah the funny thing is is like they make a cigar and they're like this is amazing if i could have this every day i would but the reality is is they're giving you a very, very guided reference of these, all these tobaccos that they're giving you are going to play well with each other. Right. Like they're, so you're kind of already like you're working off like half inspiration. Sure. You know what I mean? Because they've only selected tobaccos for you to use because they want you to have a good experience. Right. So yeah, you might come up with a cigar that like you really enjoy and, but in, you know, my first experience doing that was on a cigar safari um, okay. back in the day. Um, and I went to the Hoya factory and did that whole thing. And I had a ton of fun, but like, you know, everyone has, they're just proud of it because it's their own baby. Right. Right. But it doesn't make it a pretty baby. Still an ugly baby. You know? And. Uh, yeah. I don't care, Janet. Your baby's still ugly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. When I went down to, um, at Hoya, it's much more guided. So they're like, okay, do you have a specific tobacco? Like, what do you want for the, the base? What, like, when, And then we work off of like kind of a flavor profile wheel to like narrow it down to the tobaccos that'll work. Okay. At FTC in Honduras, they threw me in a room with a bunch of tobacco and said like, come Figure and tell us when you got something. And so I was like, okay, this is amazing. And at first, like I spend the first day just getting familiarized with the tobaccos that they have. Sure. Now, when you say familiarize, touch, texture, smell, taste, feel. Yeah, just like individual and then writing notes. Okay, this, like, you know, this is a Viso Jalapa and this is the characteristics. And so I'm just taking all these kind of notes. Sure. And then I was like, well, I got to put these together. I got to roll them. So then I had to go, I went into the factory and I was like, can someone show me how to roll? And my, my rolling looks like, <laughs> like, like a crayon drawing from a three-year-old, <laughs> just awkward, big shits. Like you haven't gone in three days. Like they all end up like a 60 ring gauge. Even I, love I'm tra- it. Um, I was going for but, 48. <laughs> yeah. But at least it's like, then I can taste the tobaccos and how they're interacting. Yeah. And so I would write notes and write notes. And after a couple days in, of being there from like sun up to sundown, they're like, you haven't really bringing it, brought us anything. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, it's all been shit. And right. they were like, and so I sat with Raul, who's the master blender at FTC. And he, he doesn't speak English. So, and I don't speak good Spanish. Mm-hmm. So it was being translated to him, like my frustration. Sure. And so then he was like, well, pick one component that you like mm-hmm. and he's like you're like a chef that's just pulling a ton of seasoning and thinking like throwing it into a pot and he's like it's not balanced it's not working it's not you so he's know. like think smaller chicken pork or beef yeah and then he was like 
build off of that profile to enhance it. Right. So then I was like, it just clicked. Like, oh, I only need one aspect of this cigar. And then I can build like. If, right. All three leaves don't have to be wow. But yeah. that one wow is going to be complemented by the other two. Yeah. So then I started making headway with it. And, you know, and then, of course, like when there were blends that I wanted, then he would take and he would give it different proportions and ratios. Like sure. mess with the blend so that it's a little more balanced. Sure. Or, so you when know, you say ratios, you mean like. A little one more turn of a filler or one more yeah, or less. Yeah, cutting, you know, maybe I had three quarters of a leaf and he cut it down to a quarter. Sure. You know, and, and it's very much like when you add something, it subtracts something. Oh, absolutely. So it's like it, it doesn't just keep adding to the, you know, so it's like if you put more of this, you're losing something else. Yeah. So what are you sacrificing? It's not simple math. And, you know, I was when I was at Hoya, they had made the, they were like, you know, you want to make a cigar that's balanced and hits all the different, you know, parts of your palate, the, you know, the salt, the savory, all these different aspects. And I was like, well, what if you don't, what if you just want to make something that is like, I don't think of Padron as being balanced. I think of it as one thing that they have nailed. Right. And I'm like, so like, you don't have to go that direction. And he was like, well, no, certainly you can do whatever you want. You can age it. You can do whatever you want. Put yeah. it in a damn pickle jar. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a learning and I'm like, I would say, you know, it's like, I'm just like a toddler learning to, to, uh, to walk, but, yeah. but it's, it's such a fun process, you know, to, and one of the things I had no idea about, was I uh, put together a blend, and then it's what became the intro. Sure. It's a great and cigar, I was really happy with it. Thank you. Yeah. And he came back, and he was like, this wrapper um, that you want to use doesn't work. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And hmm. he's like, aesthetically, he's like, you it's too thin of a Connecticut shade that you're using. And he's like, you can see all the veins it's pushing it's through, pushing through of the Corojo. And he was like, mm. it's very unattractive. And it was, and I had never thought about the aesthetic aspect. That's interesting. Blend. So he ended up changing. We were using Ecuadorian Connecticut, right. but he changed the priming and tried to source a different Connecticut, Connecticut, because he was like, you need something with a little thicker, because he's like, you don't want it lumpy and bumpy. And I was like, you're right. Now you but went with like, a broadleaf, didn't you? Can there is broadleaf leaf in it, yeah. in the filler. Okay. Um, but it was a whole, I had never even thought about that. You know what I mean? Like that aspect mm -hmm. of it, that it's not, like the flavor was right on. But it was just like, it looked like a fugly little stick. Yeah. And so sometimes those fugly sticks will get you though. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've noticed that there's, I've seen a couple of uh, companies come out with some sticks that are, I'm like, you know, I don't really visually like this stick, but I'm going to smoke it anyway. And then I'm just like, whoa. Padrones don't look pretty. No, they get like veiny. Like the Maduros and, uh, do because they're like, you know. Nice like and dark, dark. chocolatey kind of. Yeah, but like when you look at them, all the bumps and all the like, it, yeah. it's they're not attractive wrappers, but they taste 
phenomenal. Phenomenal. So we ended up finding a middle ground and getting still keeping the integrity of the blend. Mm -hmm. And it did soften it slightly the, with the wrapper we went with. Sure. It was a little more like poignant, like, but it was like a fair compromise yeah. to make it work. Yeah. So, One thing I've noticed about your your cigar blends, and if if I'll just be blunt, like one thing I've noticed about your cigar blends is you're very consistent about how your presentation, and I assume that that conversation stuck with you. So your presentation, you're very neatly packaged, very neatly. Your bands are just, I, uh, I love your presentation and how you present your cigars because it's it's very it's very subtle but there is nuances to each of your bands that i think is missed on a lot of people but it's not missed on me and i i see that and it's just like man that's that's really cool how you you go through that you know and even with your your wrappers and how your veins and all the things blow through that and no i'm not talking about your penis but you know <laughs> <laughs> but how how they you know uh, it, it's very visually aesthetically pleasing, you know, and, and I think that that shows through your presentation in your product. And, and so hats off to you for that. Cause that is, you know, it's, it's with, with a whole aspect of cigars out there, everyone's trying to get your attention. And what I feel like you've done is I feel like you have, flown under that radar to where you're getting their attention not on purpose that you're getting their attention because your product speaks for itself does that make sense yeah and i appreciate that that's uh you know the branding and everything was very intentional because like you know i had come from caldwell where the branding you know, my it's pictures hey. of random guys' faces and all this Bouncing artwork. All over the place. But one of the things I actually didn't like about Caldwell is how it looked on the shelf, because I didn't feel like it ever looked like a cohesive brand, and it pisses me off when I see brands yeah. that don't look like a cohesive brand. Yeah. And so I wanted to do something that was understated, that was kind of a classic throwback style of boxes with the filette. And then I was like, primary bands going across the board using yeah. all the same different colors, colors matching with the secondary band, because it it's just like I could visualize it five years down the road what it looks like on right. the shelf, and I was like, that looks like a brand, right? And so I was like, I can do all my tongue in cheek and fun stuff on the marketing end, but Absolutely. I want my cigars, your merch, to or just, your hats, shirts, or yeah. your workout videos. Yeah, like it just, you know, there's there's enough brands out there with skulls and crossbones and like, and like I come from the rock and roll realm. So like part of me was like, I wanted to, to incorporate that in, but I found a way to do it like that I think. Subtly. Yeah, it's subtle. And, and there's a lot of little Easter eggs within, you know, if people want to pay attention yeah. to the boxes or the bands or the little comments that are like, quotes that are on the bottom of the box absolutely and you know it's just fun details to me yeah. that if someone wants to go down a rabbit hole like there's stuff for them to like yeah it's a little deeper than what they 
no, might I, look at. I get that, man. And that's it's it, you're spot on with it. Well done for sure. Thank you. So rock and roll. So we um how long have you been playing music? I've been pl- my first band I joined was when I was 12 years old and I played bass in a kind of Megadeth Metallica cover band. Slap the bass. Slapid bass. Slapid bass. And I thought it was going to get me chicks. Oh yeah. You Not know, a bass like, player. Yeah, no. You know what you throw a drowning bass player? His bass and his amp. <laughs> <laughs> but um so I started playing when I was 12. And then I started playing in bands that actually played out yeah. when I was 15 and then almost consecutive. I'm 44. There's been a few years here or there where like things have settled down, but I mean like I, I remain as active as I can because yeah. it's 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 my sanity. Yeah, so. we, we actually got to watch you at PCA at the uh what was the name of that place? The square bar. The square bar. Yeah. yeah. That place was cool. Yeah. I'm definitely in March we'll we'll go back for sure. Um but but that was a fun time, man. It was a fun show. And then you had a local band open up for you as well. Yeah, two local bands that I just, you know, I wanted to do something that was just, I don't know, like, what are you doing in Vegas? If you don't want to gamble, what are you going to do? Right. And, I, and, I, and, like, since we're close enough, I, I talked, I was like, let's book this place out. Let's put on a show. And the guys in the band, I'm like, I got an Airbnb, so you don't have to pay. You just come crash with me for the night. And so the band drove out, and we had fun. And So where were the other, oh, your band, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a it was a good just I don't know I just wanted to give something different like for those that it's funny you know like you came out and the Abbey guys and we had a fun little turnout but it's like so many people since were like well I didn't know and I was like well I was promoting it yeah I'm like sorry you didn't know yeah so the funniest thing for us when we were there was these two China Chinese guys and one was Ike and one was Harry and they build humidors in China. And I'm supposed to be getting one. They're supposed to be sending me one. But, you know, who knows if that's going to happen or not. It's, it's whatever. It's cool. But they are fantastic people. And they were, we actually got to smoke one of your unreleased cigars. And has that been released since then? Or? No. It, it should be, should have been, but it's just gotten delayed. So do you have a name delayed. for it? It's called Ammunition. Okay. For the with the partnership with Ammunition Whiskey on it. So That's right. Because yeah. they were serving the Ammunition Whiskey. Yeah, so Ammunition yeah. Whiskey, Caldwell Cigars and myself and so we did a project that Ammunition kind of hit us up to start cuz mm-hmm. they wanted to hand out like cigars at their events instead of swag and stuff and, and so we did the project together. All the materials in the cigars are all in the DR right now, but sure. the factory got hit with a run of COVID and they shut down for like two weeks. Bummer. So we're waiting on it to get assembled and sent to us. Sure. So within the next month, it, it'll be on market. Well, I look forward to that. You have to send us some for the show. We'll make that happen. Cause I that, did put some in the in the we, sample. Yeah, I know. We we, I'm I'm aware. <laughs> I was like, I know that cigar unbanned, yeah. and I know that cigar. Yeah. I was like, it's killer because I I I smoked it at the event, and I remember little bits of it, but you know we were all drinking, so mm-hmm. I don't fully remember it. And I was like, I should have grabbed a second one, but I didn't. And then you sent me one. I was like, yes, score. So. Yeah. 
that was awesome, man. I really look forward to doing our takeover episode and I hope that you're going to enjoy what we come up with for you. So it's going to be a good time for sure. Um, what's one of your most memorable shows you've played? Hmm. Um, you know, back in, in the mid nineties, like uh, coming from orange County, mm-hmm. like I, I was a part. Was it Supertones? You were playing the Supertones? Supertones. Yeah, yeah those see Supertones. <laughs> My favorite. no but i was a part of that like i skateboarded right so Mm -hmm. i was in you know the germs and black flag and and i knew that world and then i went to school with this kid named jason fleetwood and he was in a band called bloodshed Mm -hmm. and so he's like hey you want to come to a hardcore show and i was like what's a hard like i mean welcome (laughs) and so i show up and i was just like this is my world And so I was not playing in a hardcore band. We did scream, but yeah, it was yeah. like, you know, more of like a heavy grunge band. But because back then everybody played with everybody and yeah. it was a part of that, like the birth of Tooth and Nail and all those, like that first yeah. wave of all, I got to be a part of that. Um, like, so my band would like play with, you know, Unashamed and would play. Yeah. Uh, did with you ever Strife. meet Chad Johnson? Chad Johnson, yeah. Which one is Chad Johnson? Was the A and R guy that found all these guys? Oh no, no. For Tooth and Nail and Solid State, he's actually a local. No, what's funny is I've been listening to this like podcast on my thing he's about part of the- Furnace Fest. Oh, okay. When we, when I tell you what, next weekend I'll introduce you to Chad. Awesome. He is one of the most coolest motherfuckers you'll ever meet. Yeah, it was funny. My my the band I was in at that time the closest like we had not submitted anything to like tooth and nail or anything but we had submitted into alarma records oh wow and alarma was like had just picked up like uh, i think flowers for june which was kind of a post hardcore thing Mm -hmm. where tim man from focused Mm -hmm. and a girl yeah she you had a front she was singing they had just signed them and because we were more like now you would say emo, yeah. but like we didn't for sure. have a term for it. Like, it's like Juliana po- theory. Yeah, kinda. yeah. But in that like, you know, mid 90s, 94, 97, before the whole thing started like booming, yeah. um, they, we had started conversations with them and then uh, they it got collapsed or bought out or something. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't remember the history of it, but it, it went dead. And then uh, I was just like, let's just keep playing shows. Who cares? Yeah. And so we never got like picked up, but I did tour with other bands like sure. on guitar, uh, you know, like uh, Stairwell. I went on tour with, okay. like, played guitar with them on tour. And um, so I had fun because I was just part, they were all my friends. Yeah. And uh, we're so, very similar in that aspect. So, yeah. like, all a lot of my friends or people that I call friends and, who knows what they call me, but whatever. But I played, you know, music. I started playing when I was 10, played play guitar, of course. Um, you know, I started playing when I was 10, started playing music, when I, you know, in two, in bands, playing shows at about 15. So I played in an emo band to start with a chick singer. <laughs> Don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. I also played in an emo <laughs> band with a chick singer when I was in college. Yeah. yeah. Started dating her, and then uh, that, that whole thing uh, – I left the band. Yeah, 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 for sure. It just did. Bad news bears. 
But you're like, it's a hot girl singing about her emotions. This is going to be amazing. Well, she was engaged to the bass player, and then this whole thing. The band actually broke up on my 18th birthday. We were a Christian you know, emo band, mm-hmm. and I drink, I smoke, whatever. It doesn't matter. And, and for my 18th birthday, we had a big party, and she showed up out of the blue you know, because she wasn't invited to the party because I didn't want her to drag it down. And then she, it was a whole big ordeal and they broke up and it was like, well, fuck it. Let's have a big party, you know? <laughs> and so it was, it was great. It was, it was a good time, but yeah. So like a lot of, like I played a lot of shows. I've, I've played with Norma Jean a few times. I've played a lot of shows of plea for purging, played a lot of shows with, you know, other bands and just kind of work. I worked at a youth center. So we opened for a lot of other bigger, I tried to book all the shows that come sure. through. And so, I never made it, but I got to watch a lot of people make it. And it was cool, you know, and and, and one thing for me was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a worker, so, like, I'm an electrician by trade, so I've, I've always worked. So, like, my passion was my, f- you know, making sure my son, I've got my an 18-year-old son, so when I was 21, I had my son. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the height of if I was going to do anything, that that would have been the time. And I was sure. like, I've got to. And you know, make sure my son's taken care of before me. Super similar story because the same thing. I mean, like, yeah. I, I was, tw- I had just turned 21 when I had my first daughter. Mm. So, yeah, like, I, I, I get that. Yeah. And it's cool, though, but just to watch your, your, your brothers and your friends go on and do things and tour the world. And you're like, man, that hindsight, you know, you're like, that could have been me, but it's like, why live in that area? You know, it's like, I love seeing those dudes. Like, yeah. I love going spreading the love with those guys man because that's what it's about the music and the culture and the family yeah yeah like i was kind of i was you know raised in a christian home my dad was a pastor and blah 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 so i started playing music and i really got into like metallica megadeth iron maiden like early on Mm -hmm. and i remember just like i would sit in my room in the dark and play my guitar and and you know with not even being plugged in so i didn't wake up my parents learning the riffs things and so one of the big things i did with my bands and a lot of them didn't like it but i was like listen you need to learn your instrument inherently and so when we are rehearsing we'll go through the set and then we're going to go through the set in the dark like Mm -hmm. lights out the only thing that's lit is the your amps that's it that's all you're going to see and like learning how to tighten up, you know? Yeah, yeah, and for I think sure. that that coincides with making a good cigar as well. Because it's not more about your sight visually at that point. It's not about what you see, it's about what you feel and what you hear. Yeah. And so and, and textures and those things and like has anything translated from music into your blending or into oh, your yeah. cigars? I well, for sure. I mean, the main thing being like, as you saw at the trade show, the whole DIY like thing. Oh, I love it. Your trailer like, is awesome. <laughs> I just, I, I refuse to like pay money and do stuff for things that like I can do myself. Like the, the year before I had the trailer, I had a fake fire pit and I Etsy'd all that shit. Like I, love I just it. built it and I, my, my booth was built and I was getting a lot of compliments like, oh, you should win booth of the year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. then this year I bring the trailer, but I'm just, I'm a, like, 
that approach has never changed. And even me being on the road the way that I'm doing it now is no different than a band that's just trying to make it and they're like all living in the van. Yeah. I mean, I'm living in my trailer because it's like I refuse to pay 200 bucks for a hotel night that I'm going to spend four hours in. Do you remember betterthanthevan.com? No. So in the early 2000s, there was a website called betterthanthevan.com or cheaper than the van or something like that. But it was people that were willing to host bands. Mm. And so you would sign up with them. And when you were touring through a place, you would go on there and be like, who's available? Got room. You know, and it was like, let's just get a shower. Let's freaking have a meal. Let's, you know, sit down. And, and man, that's just a, that's a really cool thing to do. I, I actually think that it would be dope next year. <laughs> If you could find a stuffed bear and make it like a picnic with the bear and your camper, that would be so freaking dope. Well, uh, yeah, I won't let it out of the bag, but I kind of have, you know, I'm going to take the same ideal mm-hmm. like and idea, but ex- expand on it. Yeah. So I have something for the PCA this year. I don't expect to win, you know, show the booth no, again. No, man, but I it's just, just about have having fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. So I have like, okay, this is what I'm going to change. This is what I'm going to add. And so I've got the booth and like, it excites me to think about it because it'll cost me probably for the primary aspect of it, of the booth, probably cost me $30. I love it. And it's just like, but I think it's going to be very interactive and I think people will have fun with it. And like, that's ultimately what I want to do, right? Like, yeah, I want to sell cigars. Well, if I can help, man, let me know. I got you. All right. But it, it's, it's, uh, but yeah. Oh, but I, I will answer. I did think of the show. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So I was playing in a band called the Mood Swingers, which was an offshoot of after Bloodshed had ended, some members from that. And okay. so it was a, like, you know, a, a, at that point, it was kind of the first wave emo. Yeah. Right. And, uh, we play at this bowling alley and the band after us, like we have a good response, but the band after us sets up. We're like, who are these like guys? Like, cause we were second to headline and uh, they start playing and I, our mouths just drop. And we're like, who are these kids? Yeah. It was at the drive-in. Ugh. And I was like, these guys are going to be insane. Huge. We're playing in a like a bowling a alley? bowling alley, but he was running up and down, sliding down the the lanes. That's awesome. There was no stage. It was That's just awesome. And were you I, set up on the lanes? Yeah, hell we yeah. We were set up, and it was just like, well, people were just going ape shit, and we're like, we had never heard of these guys. Then, and then like less than six months later, they're on the front of Rolling Stone. That's freaking crazy. And, it, man. and then they just took off, but it was so cool, like to happenstance get to play a show with a band that like I loved so much. Yeah. Well, now I love so right, much. Right, right. And then- Especially you know, at a bowling alley of all places. Yeah, and then Mars Volta and Offshoots. Sparta yeah, yeah, yeah. Are both sure, sure. Phenomenal. But like, at, it was just such a fun experience. And that happened a couple different times. Like it happened with like Pedro the Lion. It happened oh, with my a couple God, David different- <laughs> Like that we didn't know the who the guys were because it was before- they like 
It was before the EP. Yeah, yeah, came. yeah. The page of the line. Actually, no. The EP had come out, but I wasn't really in that world. So I hadn't like heard it. Yeah. And I was just like. Pedro the Lion's David Bazan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen his house shows, his solo house shows that he does? I've had friends that have gone to him. Dude, he used to do them here and he did a few at, at, at so it's Stump from the Abbey. Like we, we had a music venue in our church when it was in Third Avenue South, you know, though we're in Stump's church now, but like it's, it was at Third Avenue South when, and I actually moved to Nashville in 2010 to be part of that church and he's played some shows there and it has been crazy the house shows that he's done yeah him and damien gerardo have oh both my like, gosh i was gonna say that might it might be rehearsals for departure from damien gerardo might be my fifth album Ooh, that's a good album it's just it's nostalgic to the core to me and every song okay i, I okay. like do you want to hear mine yeah. All right. So absolutely. Uh I'm I'm all over the place musically. I'm a metalhead and I'm an EDM kid. Okay. So I love EDM. Cause but I love a specific I love trance. Okay. Because of like the female vocals and, and, and how it just flows together. Um so my first album would be Radiohead Hell of the Thief. It's hard to beat that album. That album is from start to finish, freaking solid. So it's not okay, computer. You're not. You're no. Where? Yeah. Okay. No. Most I'm, people when they like you know hit Radiohead, it's like they're either like they typically go. It seems like with okay, computer. So I like that. Yeah, I'm, it's hell the thief, man. Yeah. When you put that thing on and it starts to skip in the beginning, you're like, wait, what? Oh, and then the metronome kicks in, and yeah. you're like, bro, let's go. I can remember one time. That you know, I, I like to partake in, in the marijuanas a little bit, and uh, um, I had like a ten year stint where I didn't do it, and um, it was there, there was in the town I lived in in Kentucky. I worked for a cable company at that time, and these guys, we had a freeze come through that dropped lines and shut the town down for almost a month. And it half of Western Kentucky was down, and and what happened was one of the crews that we had come in. I'm just a I'm a cool guy. I'm a networker connector, and they were like, "Hey man, do you know where we can get any?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, it's cool. I got you." So I got them, and then they left me, you know, a, a joint on the back of my porch to, as a thank you. Yeah. And I got home. I didn't even have power, but I had like my phone, and oh no no no, my power just came back on. So I finally had power. It was two weeks. I was driving to like Paris, Tennessee to take showers at my bandmate's house because Paris, Tennessee, which was 45 minutes from Kentucky where I lived, they had power and we didn't. And so like I would drive there after working 12 hours, take a shower and then drive back 45 minutes to go home. And then they left me that. And I put that album on and smoked that and was like for the next however long I was just on my couch, ex it, it, freaking taking that album in, and I'll never forget it. Like every verse, lyric, note, everything in that album is just stuck in my brain. So you know that's, that's good. one of my albums. Um, By the way, that is insane, bro. In the brown sugar, I'm like, telling you, that is insane. I think we only did. Uh, 
150 bottles of it. That's it. That is so fun. That yeah. is really delicious. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great bottle. So my second album would be Zayo, mm-hmm. where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. And that was one of my first hardcore shows. It was now is is that the debut album or is that the Mm-mm. second or that's the th- second so or third album? The fir- they changed like this this what is the singer Jason and the first run uh-huh. up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Now, he it was Dan's first album. Okay, okay. So with Dan and Jesse Smith on drums, and then the really short guy on guitar, and then the 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 other black dude on guitar, and then I can't remember their their I I just don't remember most of their names. Yeah, but that album start to finish is so good because when it opens it's like blum blum and it's just so good um for the longest time i hated the beatles um and i think i hated them because the metalhead in me was like ah the beatles are just garbage and it wasn't until i was in my 20s way past my you know doing any music that i actually gave them a chance and it was i think it was when across the universe came out so very so, cool dude that movie is so good yeah the renditions they do are sick phenomenal and it was i remember it was the dude on the beach the trailer on the beach singing, singing that about a girl uh-huh, or, about or, a girl and yeah. i was like bro like you're talking to me right now and then so i went through and listened to a bunch of and, and it's like I, I take their greatest hits album with me. Sure, because that's a good choice, dude. You can't go wrong. Like, there's every mood in there. Yeah, you know. And um, let's see, what would number four be? Um, you'd probably have to have "Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child." I think it's a coin toss between "Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child" and um let's see what's another hardcore sounds um maybe the burial from plea for purging maybe give or take whatever day it is it would be a coin toss between those two um and then for number five hmm yeah that's a that's a number five's a tricky one Where's your number five? Uh, what did I go with? Oh, I, I did the rehearsals for Departure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my two favorite hardcore albums would be Snapcase, Steps, uh, or Looking Looking Glass Self, the EP. Uh-huh, yeah, huh? And it's like a four or five song EP? Yeah, yeah. And then Firestorm from Earth Crisis. Earth Crisis. Like, I was a huge like. So that's come on. That's that's dirty heavy like nineties. That's, that's dude from Norma Jean now. No, is that Esso Karis? Might have been Earthquake. Uh, I, th- I don't know. I honestly actually don't know. I'd have to look I was up. A, just they sounded. That's a solid album. And Threadbare. Did you ever get into Threadbare? Mm-mm. Talk about. You know, like the evolution of hardcore and all the different like sounds that it is, and it's definitely you know gone much more technical and kind of metal. Uh-huh. Um, but man, Threadbare—they have melodic bass lines, and he is by far to me the most pissed-off sounding individual. He would like if 
I read an interview with the singer of it once, and he's like, if my my throat wasn't bleeding at the end of a set, I didn't do it right. Yeah. Because it wasn't styled yet. Right. You know, it was guttural. And yeah. I think that's why, like, that realm of hardcore I love, even though the technicality isn't necessarily there. It's all yeah. just chugga-chugga. But it was just the angst that was, it wasn't like you could scream in a tone. Right. Zayo kind of first started, like, I think they were on the very early end of uh-huh. the spectrum of showing, like, you could do different things with yeah. your voice. It was like them and embodiment. Yeah. And, like, it and, was. And now you got bands Living like. Living Sacrifice. And, like, no, Lorna Shore that are, like, oh, just yeah. going. But it's, like, back then it was just, like, I'm pissed off and I want you to know, right. like, I'm pissed. And there was something. That's what resonated with me as I was, like, oh, I got some angst in me. Yeah. This is a cool Let's way. Go. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that it would be a coin toss for me on my fifth album. I would try to make a mix a mixtape, uh, you know, mixtape of like my favorite EDM hits, which is any th- any mood. Like when I'm working, when I'm building something, I've got EDM in my ear mm. because of the ADHD that I have. It's I I am hyper aware of everything in the room conversations like if we go somewhere to eat later i'm gonna know four to five tables away from us what they're talking about because that's how my brain processes things so quickly so the edm turns that part of my brain off and it lets the output mode kick in which is what i've always loved about edm and especially trance because you know it's like trance or house like you hit that 120 beats per minute and you're just like Okay, now we're we're flowing. We're doing it, you know. So it would either be a mixtape of that, or torch, affirmation, uh, annihilation, or something. Whatever that album's called. I'm not sure. It's uh, the green album. Hang on, I'll tell you. Um, now but, I'm now I'm gonna have to show you my creative project that I've only shown to my friends. Uh oh, does that mean we're friends now? I I, I started in it because I felt compelled. Restarter is the name of the Restarter. album. Restarter. If you haven't listened to this album. No, I have not. Dude. So sweet. Start to finish. <sighs> Bro, I'm going to send it to you right now. You got Spotify, right? I do. Who doesn't? Right. I mean, they need to pay their bands more. Let's just be honest about Agreed. it. Agreed. But as far as ease of access. No. And, and and for me, like being an independent artist, right? I record the stuff. Like we get to do it and we put it up. And it, it doesn't mean that anyone's listening to it, but if someone wants to, it's there. Mm-hmm. And they can be in Korea. They could be. Yeah. And that's the aspect I love of it. I think that what something that I've noticed about independent artists lately, and, and, and I'm not a huge hip hop. I love old school hip hop, you know, like old J5, Dilated Peoples, you know, um, Del the Funky Funky Homo Sapien, 3030. That would also be my number six on that album. Like that album, if you've never listened to that album, pro, you're missing out. There's some stuff I'm I'm missing out on. I'm telling you, I'll send you that album as well. Yeah. Um, But start to finish, that album's like a concept, like he's this futuristic spaceman and it's, it's awesome. And so... This rapper, Tom McDonald, mm-hmm. is number one on billboards at this point. Yeah. And he is independently published. And I think that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, the game is changing. I mean, you had the, with first, you had the dude that dude did the Old Town Road. 
Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And people were getting pissed in the music oh, yeah. industry because like he was at, he he's the, he won a Grammy. Mm-hmm. They were trying to prevent him from going because like this doesn't count. That's so stupid. Like, no, this this guy is rising up, and like and the it's same all money thing. Grab, Tom, man. Tom McDonald has millions and millions Dude. of views and is charting, and he doesn't have a label. And it's just like that's it's amazing that we're in a day and age where that can happen where it's like he doesn't he doesn't need the label but see that's the thing though we never needed labels to begin with we only used labels as networking and the the labels did the legwork for us Mm -hmm. when if you just put in the work and you you put a good product out much like your cigars we it speaks for itself and i think that's what's missing the missing link in the music industry. Like your album needs to speak for itself. Like your product you're pushing needs to speak for itself. If you're pushing a bad product, as long as you own it, it can be a bad product. That's fine because that's who you are. And I think that when we were talking about how that translates, how your musical background translates into your cigar aspect, I think that what's interesting the most to me is how I see that. And so I see that your love and passion for music is translated into your branding and your marketing and you're doing it, man. And I think that that is so cool because there's all these large manufacturers and all these large brands that have had these years and years and years of failing and winning and failing and winning and failing and winning and these massive marketing PR teams to do that for them. To where you you look at people, you know, like yourself and smaller brands, like even Robert Caldwell, Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're carving this out. Yeah. Like, we believe in what we're doing. And to hell with you if you think that we we suck because we enjoy our product and that's all that matters. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are lacking these days is the balls to basically be like, well, I don't care if you don't like my cigars. Don't smoke them. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's enough out there. there there's go. plenty of cigars. That's the one thing people forget, I think, a lot of times in this industry is like everyone has made like, you know, God's gift to the world with whatever cigar they oh, made. Absolutely. And it's like the reality is, is people like different things. Like, I don't want to eat the same meal every day, mm-hmm. right? So there's different cigars for different moments, but they also take themselves just like it's so serious. And it's like, it's rolled up leaves. Yeah. Like I love it, but yeah. it's rolled up dead leaves Absolutely. that we're smoking. And it's like, if you miss the interaction that's in front of you, that was what the value of that, those rolled leaves were going to create, not the leaves themselves. Right. And, and like that to me is like, you know, if I was to have a message, right. Or like what sure. is just like, it's not, you know, it's on the band. You know, leaves burn, stories live, right? Like, it's as simple as that. Like, you can, I love being able to meet people and then have a connection with them, find some common ground on whatever that might be, and then have a conversation beyond the cigar. Yeah. Because now we're having something that's real. Yeah. And, like, if you happen to like my cigars, rad. If you don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I like them. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, and hopefully enough people like them, but so that it can pay bills and stuff. But, sure. but, you know, with all the tradition and, 
everything that goes in our industry and legacies, it's like, yeah, it's all family. And we've been doing this for 200 years. And it's like, who the fuck cares if you're not going to like sit and have a real conversation yeah. with someone? It's, it might as well just be like a faceless brand. Yeah. Like, like no one cares who's behind Jameson. Right. right? It's just in every bar because it sells. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. Like that works. But when you hear all these like dramatic claims of just like, this means so much. And my family came from this and that. And you're like, that's cool. Can you like actually talk to me like a human? Right. It's something. And, and, and I'm going to talk about this person, but the, the Fuente family, I have a high respect for the Fuente family. They have pushed and pushed and pushed and clawed their way from, you know, Cuba to where they are now. And it's the, the, the face of, of, of it now, which is his son. Um, we did a takeover episode with Fuente and they sent us some sticks to go over and, it was one of my first episodes of me leading the podcast and I was nervous about it because, you know, I, I care what people think as we all do, you know, and you just have to admit that. And then you can overcome that. You, you sure. push through. So when we care what people think about us, it, it, it you, when you acknowledge that you care what people think about you, you can tear that wall down mm -hmm. and you can understand now that you are being vulnerable to these people and 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 I feel like when the cigar industry, what shines out the most to me is when your product produces that feeling. So what you care about is shown in your cigar manufacturing and your cigar labels and your product and your and your advertisements and all that you do. But you know, we did the episode for Fuente takeover and I went down to Fort Lauderdale to the big smoke and I had my sip suds and smoke shirt on and he came up to me and was like, Hey, thank you so much for your, what you did on their podcast. And I'm like, dude, you don't know me from Adam. Like you don't know me and that's cool. But like, you're thanking me for doing something that I wanted to do. And I love to do. And like, that's huge because now your product reflects your personality. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of cigar manufacturers that just throw out shit. They're like, oh, it's the new one. It's the new one. It's the new one. And it's like, well, this is, you know, there's a reason Opus X's are Opus X's. Sure. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're a quality cigar and the heart behind them. And, and it's, you, you find that, you know what I mean? And it's like that in itself is the, the, um, it is the full aspect of the cigar industry to me is the relationship and that relationship is built around a love for people and a love for cigars and the cigar is where your story meets the lips and ears of another person much like your albums sure so when your album when you pour your heart and soul into an album you're now releasing that part that you're vulnerable about to someone else and you are subject to their ridicule and their insecurities and whatever they have. So yeah, you, it may not be 
the bee's knees for someone in it, it, it may not be the bee's knees for someone but for someone else it may be like the coup de gras of what you do you know what i mean and yeah. i think that that is like huge in the in in, in people miss that like a uh, you know i've i've been to quite a few of these cigar events and you know a lot of it's like well you know i'll buy five sticks and get this for free and blah 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 and i got free cigars oh, i'm gonna smoke them all day and it's like well you're you're missing the connection like and that's what these chats episodes for me is going to be. So like we haven't spent a lot of time talking about your product and that's intentional because I want to learn and know who you are. So when I can learn who you are, I can see yourself in your products. Sure. And I think that that is going to be a huge bridge to bring that aspect to people who don't even think about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. You know, and there's something like, you know, I'm 23 years in this industry. And like I said, you know, from working retail to repping. And as much as I talk about like, you know, kind of in some ways trying to be a disruptor to it. Sure. There's an aspect where it's like, I don't, I'm not shitting on the tradition of this no, absolutely. industry because like I remember a couple months ago when an unnamed like fella in our industry who's got a quite a platform you know called out Carlito yeah and I was just like you fucking numb nuts yeah you like, this is the dawn right like of our industry at this point 100% like, it's like you have zero respect it like was reminding me of like Carlito's way the movie where it's like you're the young punk that comes in and says like I'm such a disruptor I'm changing yeah. this game and it's like but you have zero respect for like the foundation that was laid right. you know because like I'm a cigar nerd I love and and there's like I love smoking people's cigars because I like exactly what you're saying it was a really like I think eloquent way of eloquent way of saying it is like. I want to understand what they're trying to communicate through this cigar. Right. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant to me. But Absolutely. I want to understand what are they trying to tell me? Because now as like a manufacturer and doing it, it's like I'm trying to say something. Sure. So it's like, so are they. Yeah. Obviously they are. So what are they trying to say through this product? And like through, you know, and it's like the Fuentes, it, it, it's like, yeah, I mean, you cannot get like more highly esteemed sure. than what they've accomplished in this industry. Absolutely. And, you know, even for new brands that use real tongue in cheek marketing and mm-hmm. are like branding, right? And it's like, these guys have been doing it for 20 years. They just do it under the radar. Yeah. Like, it looks like this just pristine classic thing. And then they got it's names that are just like on, like, you know, the BBMFs. Yeah. All the, like, you know, the pink go down the list. And it's That's like, right. they've been pushing the envelope and like since day one, but they're also a, like viewed as a classic brand. Right. And and then like, that's, that's, uh, that's something that's always like, I, I've never understood. It's like you walk into a room, right? And like, there's always some kind of alpha dog there. Some oh yeah. Guy, right. And it's like, you can try to like, usurp that or right and take the place but there's going to be a conflict or you can 
understand your place and have respect at whatever level that is. And it's like, you know, I'm stoked coming into this industry and like now gaining the support of all these friends that it's like, technically I'm competition. Right. But it's like, at the end of the day, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Absolutely. So as long as people are smoking and, and like, as long as people are enjoying it, it's, it's, it's good. It's healthy. There's room for me to exist. Right. And we're not in competition. We're together. Right. And, and I think that that's an aspect that even in the spirits realm, like they, they forget that we are together in a unified front of, of we believe in the spirits, whether it's bourbon, tequila, you know, rum, whatever it may be, this is our heritage. This is our lineage. This is what we're leaving behind. You know, which which brings me to my, you know, another question for you is is what what do you want to achieve? I mean if I can get this company to where it's covering my bills, taking care of my kids, and I get to do what I love, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Like they, it's it's not I didn't I didn't you know, everything else is gravy. Sure. Let's put it that way. Like, it's just, as long as it's sustainable and in the process, like, I've been able to experience, especially on this trip I'm on, like, get to have real authentic uh-huh. interactions with people. I don't know. I don't know if it's because my age uh-huh. or where I'm at in my life, gone through two divorces, all Oof. this. It's like, all I want to have is, like, real connections with people yeah i've been through one divorce and it's i I get it brother yeah and it's just like it's like that's that's my focus like if i can be a good dad and i can build something and i can show my kids that like you can do something if you want to do it like you don't it may be a weird industry it may be a weird like niche thing but it's like if, if you just I didn't go to, you know, I did go to college, but I dropped out. Yeah, me too. High five. Right? Because I was just like, well, I learned everything the hard way yeah. anyways. So yeah. like, let's just drop this and yeah. just get to work. We're not so different, you right. and I. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, it. And and like, it's, it's that's all I want. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't need the house on the hill, the white picket fence. Yeah. You know, it's like, I got two daughters that are rad. As long as I can help them in their uh, endeavor to find themselves, sure, and what they want to do and be a support to them, and it pays my bills. How old are your kids? I have a twenty-year-old that turns twenty-one next month, Ooh, and then nice. I got a ten-year-old. You got a special bottle lined up for that one? I already, I already broke into the bourbon. I did the whole. <laughs> it was amazing. One night we sat down Love together, it. and I was like. So I'm going to teach you how to appreciate scotch because if you go into a bar and you want to find a quality man, okay. you're going to find you're going to order this. Yeah. You're not going to order some foo-foo bullshit. Uh-huh. You're going to and she was like, "Oh, I hate this." And I was like, "You don't understand because if you find someone that's going to appreciate and be like this with I'm you." Talk to you about it. Right. Instead of just buy it for you. I'm like, "You're going to I'm like, "You're going to this is how you you find a man's like in my own psychology. This sure, is sure. what I've come to." So it's gospel. I already went through like, you know, it was like 
different scotches and yeah. different rums, just trying to like. So there's not really anything. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been training my son to appreciate. Yeah, you know, I'm like I'm like these are good cigars. Like I give him whole like two boxes of shit cigars, and I was like, here, smoke these whenever you want. Like whatever. When you want to have a cigar in a conversation, you come talk to me. Like we're gonna have a good cigar. And we're going to have a conversation. Like, I've got an aging box. So that aging box has two of my favorite sticks from the last 15 years of me smoking cigars. Like, I've been putting two each in my box. And so it's like, when you're ready to actually engage me in these conversations, we're going to pull from this box. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have an experience now that something's got some age on it. And... and it's it's you respect the process mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's not a well i got these cool cigars we're gonna smoke oh these cubans blah 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 blah. blah. No, no 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 these are cigars that people poured their life into yeah know? when both my daughters were born i bought a box of uh I have a 1926 padrones love it for my oldest nice so when i and so this next october it's a 21-year-old age because <laughs> um, there's still, like, I, I would smoke one a year. Yeah. But then I realized, like, you know, you know, maybe I dipped in twice, oh, you know. Yeah. You got and, to uh, make sure they're So I moldy. have a couple yeah. left. So she's told me that she'll have a cigar a with second. me. Yeah. It's not this, but, yeah. But we'll, uh, we're, uh, so that'll be, she said she'll have her first cigar and it's going to be a 20-year-old Padron, awesome. 21-year-old Padron. So and then my you. youngest, it's a box of 64s, Ooh. the Toro that they did for the like the TAA exclusive. That was a, that was a limited run. So I got a box of those, and I'll save that for my... Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if you sent me one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid cigar. That's a real good I cigar. I was just like, you know, it's got to be something special. Right, like, right. It, it's not a. I only get this twice. Smoke they what turn you love, and love who you and, smoke with. Yeah, so it's like I've saved those. So, yeah, her first cigar, and maybe only cigar, because like she may not like it. The funny thing is, is both my daughters love the smell. Like, I'll get texts from my oldest daughter, and yeah. she's like, "Just want to say hi. I smelled someone smoking a cigar, and like, it just made me think of you." That's and I'm awesome. just like. The nostalgia that it creates. Because it's the same thing, like I told you, how I got into it was my uncle's, right? It was because, like, I saw something there right. and it smelled. And I, I knew I was going to love it before I even did it. Yeah. I really like, hope that my son takes takes to that aspect of it. Because, I, you know, he's he's all about video games at this point in his life, you know, and his, and his girlfriend, which is great. You know, he's he's... Our apprentice, he's an apprentice for the company that I just left. So he's two years now into an electrical apprenticeship. And I come from a line of my, like my grandfather was a lineman, died on the job the day after my dad's ninth birthday. So I never knew my grandfather. And for, for that point, you know, my father only knew him up till he was nine. Yeah. And my father is a master electrician and my, my older brother is an electrician at, at Pella Windows. And like he's their head of maintenance in Kentucky. And I'm an electrician down here. You know, I worked for this company and I've worked for many different companies, but like I've kind of 
not pushed him to do that, but I, I want him to know there's, if you learn something, even if you don't like it, that it can go, you can make something of it. Sure. But yeah, so man, that's awesome that you have those boxes for your, for your kids. Um, and, and, and I think that as a person in the industry training your child, and I'm not meaning like child isn't like your eight year old kid who loves blues clues. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Like right. when you're a young adult, you know, 18 to 21, even though 21 is the legal age and I'm not condoning underage, whatever, but you're the parent, you make your own damn decisions. Right. right. So, but I, I don't want my son to get out there in the college world and to learn these things from some jackass. You know what I mean? Like I want him to have a healthy respect of spirits, alcohol, tobacco, to where he can make an informed decision. A, I'm going to indulge this and put this in my body. And B, I don't want to touch this. Right. And so I, good on you for, for having that. So when my son turned 18, I sat down with him and I poured him some something. I'm not going to tell you what it was. It was apple juice, you know, poured him something and we had a cigar. You know, when I was growing up, 18 was the smoking age. We could, we could smoke. Same for me. So it's, I, I don't care. The law laws are, are stupid and, and we need to, to keep these people the the lobbyist out of our laws yeah you, you can know, uh, and, and you can go die for our country but you can't you still smoke yeah a cigar. if you can die for our country <laughs> you can drink and smoke in my opinion uh, i 100 percent agree and you know that's, and, yeah and, and i think that that's something that's lost on a lot of people from th- what they think about a whole as a world and i think it's crazy that we're moving from having a respect for an individual being an adult to well you're not really an adult now and for two or three more years yeah you know and i think that that's silly no i mean there were shop like i wasn't working in the shop when that happened in california but it's like there were customers that were 18 yeah and then like now and when the law 24 changed, hours like, later uh, they're not allowed in the shop yeah and it's a part of their like they're just starting college it's so crazy and then all of a sudden oh now you're not old enough and it's it's the most asinine thing in the world because it's mm-hmm. like wait you can make a decision that could alter the like that will alter the rest of your life yeah. if you went and served in the military Even regardless being from a shop going yeah. you are now eighteen you come into my shop and sit down with me and I educate you about cigars and and you find a love for it and you've been smoking here all year long and now the next year buddy I can't serve you I'm sorry or. The employee that's a college student. Absolutely. That gets fired for doing nothing because, yeah, I mean, it, it was. But you can still sell tobacco at 18. You just can't <laughs> indulge it. Oh, is that? I, I, you yeah. can't sell alcohol at 21 or indulge it at 21, but tobacco, you can sell it at 18, I believe. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the laws are screwed, man. For sure. And we'll, we'll figure that out, not in this podcast, but. It'll all come to a head, I'm sure. You know. We're definitely in a boiling point as a society. So, yeah. Yeah, stuff is definitely. Yeah. So your legacy is important. 
what you want to achieve is important. And I believe in you. And I believe in what you're doing. So that is what this is about. You know, it's like, yeah, we're not going to sit and talk about your product. We're going to sit and we're going to talk about you. Because what you leave behind is important. Because you're making your way. And you haven't had it as, as, I'm going to say easy, but I don't mean easy. Because I know, I know that a lot of these guys who came up when their parents fled Cuba did not have it easy. It is not an easy thing, and I am not saying that at all. But to get into that industry, they didn't have certain hoops to jump through because they were born into that industry, if that makes any sense. Sure. So with respect to those people, and I fully respect those people 100%, you had it harder to carve your name out of something. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like in, in some ways, and this is not a woe is me by any stretch of the means, but anytime you enter into something where, you know, like if kind of like how you were sharing your family's history with being electricians, Right. right. It gets passed down. And then there's, there's been this almost like, you know, like this is what we do and this is like what we can contribute and it doesn't mean that everyone has to follow suit to that but the legacy that is beautiful but also like you know is that these guys carved the pathway for guys like me to exist yeah but my story is not the my grandfather was you know worked on a tobacco farm and it wasn't handed down. It's like I came in as an outsider in a very saturated industry. Yeah. And I'm trying to carve my own path. And it doesn't, like, I, again, this is not a complaint. It's just stating, like, you know, if any one of the Padron children mm-hmm. wanted to start a line, it's going to get notoriety. Absolutely. Because you have so much history and heritage and legacy attached to it. Now, the expectation is going to be through the fucking roof. Absolutely. Like, there is no expectation for me. So, in some ways, it's easier. Easier. You know, because I'm coming in as, like, you know, a, a bearded, tattooed white kid that's yeah. like, I just love tobacco. Sure. You know, and it's like, well, what do you know about tobacco? Right. Well, I'm learning. Yeah. Like, and there will be a day where like I hope to be as efficient and as knowledgeable and as like, you know, to some of my heroes in this industry that I'll like I mean, that'd be a rad thing to be looked at as a peer. Absolutely. You know, like I I don't think there would be a higher accomplishment in this industry than to be looked at as a peer by Absolutely. these guys that I respect drastically. Like I remember when Caldwell launched uh we did the first Anastasia and mm-hmm. it was with Ernesto Creo. Like, dude, I was getting like starstruck when we were hanging out with Ernesto and he's just treating me like very kindly and like in his quirky mannerisms and doing this. And I was just like, I'm sitting with Ernesto Creo right now. Yeah. Like I'm in the room with him and we're smoking cigars Absolutely. and it's just like, 
he had no idea the fandom that I had. Yeah. But I was like, I can't show it because like I'm trying to be cool here. Sure. You know, but it's like, I know who they are. Right. Like, I remember walking through the show floor when Caldwell first started and we had guys that were not from the industry that mm-hmm. came aboard like to do our warehouse and stuff like fulfillment and that. And they're like, oh, who is that guy? Like, what does he think? And I was just like, you don't know who you're looking at, dude. Right. Like, like show some respect, man. Yeah, put some respect on my like, name. It's like, because for me, getting into cigars when I was 18 and then like just smoking everything over right. the years, it's just like, you know, Oh, like you don't know who we're in the presence of. This guy invented the sixty. Right. He put sixty on the maps with mm-hmm. the La Gloria Cubana series yeah. R, and like that was a changing cigar in our Game industry. Game changed. It, it changed everything. Hundred percent. Now it's a common. People were like, "This is a novelty." No. Now twenty plus years later, it is an absolute staple. Yeah. For, I don't do a sixty. Maybe just, one day. But who knows? Never say never. Never of say course, never. I, That's right. And try everything twice. I always right. say, even if you don't like it, try it a second time because yeah, you might like you it a second know. time. Yeah. And it, it just like, so, I mean, on a, I guess on a, it's not like on an academic level, but on a personal level, yeah. I think that would be like, for me, the, like the coup de gras, right? If I sure. like, if these guys were like, like I've met, many of these manufacturers time and time and time again over the years by doing multi-vendor events stuff with the brands have been right, with. right and it's always an introduction like hi i'm such and such and i'm like i've met him 20 times yeah but i don't say that just like i'm jeremy yeah you know it's good to meet you but how rad one day would that be if they were like hey jeremy, hey, jeremy what's jeremy. that like like that would be that's cool my psh, 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 yeah no no I'm, I'm with you i'm with you and that's kind of where i'm at with this whole thing too it's like i'm trying to to carve a name for myself and a lot of people are looking at me like you well, you just want some free sticks and i'm like listen i could give a shit less if you give me a stick or not i want to learn who you are like i if if i get to smoke and review your product awesome i'm here for it this is what i want to do but I want to learn what makes you tick because at the end of the day, it's relationships that matter. Mm -hmm. So all that being said, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're pushing the mark here. So we're going to draw this in. What do you think you're smoking? Well, I'm either going to look like an ass here or not. I mean, you are going to look like an ass. So let's just throw that out there. Okay. So, I feel like I'm smoking a Nicaraguan cigar. I feel like I'm smoking something I'm very familiar with that has a bear attached to, to it. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So what, what do you think the brand is? This feels very, very similar to, to something I've created. Okay. The Arteos. Okay. This is not your cigar. Well, then I look like an ass. It's okay. Yeah. This is what I'm accomplishing here. All right. What you're smoking. Do I wait? Can I have another guess? Yeah, you get one more. One okay. more. Let's go. All right. This is a game show, bro. Yeah, what do you yeah, got? No, and, and this shit is so much fun. What do you because got? I love like, it. I love like, it. You know, going in blind, it's like 
I could see where you get the Artois, the spice and the notes uh, on on that like dark chocolate kind of spice to it with the sweetness. Like right. I get what you're saying. So I would then my second guess would be it's it's something out of Arganosa. No, you're so wrong. Oh, then tell me because like so I w- I was gonna go that direction. I was gonna say like something in the realm of maybe like the Miami or the like uh, from Arganosa, but like, so what, what you're and And before I tell you what it is, tell me your notes on it. What do you like? What do you hate? What do you, what are your tasting notes on this? I mean, there's a very light, sweet spice to it. Like, but there's a sweetness to it that I, I very much enjoy Yeah, and is in every one of my blends. Yeah. Um, and it's got enough body to keep it interesting. Honestly, most of the time I haven't been focusing on it because we're having mm-hmm. a conversation. Not that that would have. I'm not saying that as a disclaimer. Like it would have. I would have actually known because sure. I didn't know. But um, but I find it to be like pleasant and enjoyable and like on a scale of three because our rating and sip suds and smokes here is one, two, or three. One is get it away from me. Two is. Eh. Three is I'd buy a box of that. Where would you put that? Can I do halves? Yeah, that's, hey man, win in Rome. Because yeah, I would say two and a half. Like I like this. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a good cigar, and I feel like you're gonna say it, and I'm gonna be like, I've smoked that, but I didn't place it. Yeah. So that is a Tatuaje Fausto. Well. I'm okay with making that mistake then for me. Yeah. Because ain't nothing wrong with anything Tats ever done. That is. Like, for sure. Is one of my staples that I have smoked for years. I have smoked countless boxes of these cigars. My two favorite Tats are the La Duena. Ooh, good and cigar. And the Reserva Kappa 7th. That's a good cigar as well. Those are my two jams. And. I don't even know if I can find those. The Surrogate. I love the tree. I almost brought my stuff in a surrogate box. <laughs> but you know what? That's like, awesome. this, what's so fun is like I used to do this back at the when I worked in the cigar shop. Mm-hmm. I would go to people that like smoked brands. They're like, we smoke this brand. Yeah, yeah. This is blah, 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 and I remember going to a guy that like only smoked Davidoff. Yeah. Oh God, I love those people. Yeah, and I gave him. When the Don Tomas Sun Grown had come out, okay, it's a four dollar cigar. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very cheap cigar, but a very decent smoke if you find them. So I gave it to him, and he was like, and I was like, "This is a new Davidoff." I actually kind of fucked with him, right? And then he smoked. This is great. Give me three boxes, and I was like, "All right, cool." Go to the like, we ring him up, like put it on his tab bring in the boxes and he looked like the most offended and he's like well my palate must have been fucked up or oh, this sure. or that and it's like dude you can have a good four dollars i mean in that day there were absolutely a lot of absolutely four to six dollar cigars that were dynamite absolutely like my bang for the buck was how i bought cigars oh dude my i was a perdomo habano with the like sun label on them yeah Dude, I would yeah. smoke the shit out of those the cigars. Estate. Yes, that's yep. what it was. Great fucking cigar. Great cigar for six bucks. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll do six bucks all day long. 
Yeah, and so then he handed them all out because he had to buy them because like he already, he had committed. already committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is it just goes to show like you know like these are not easy to do these blind tastes. Absolutely, and that's, that's what fun because I, I haven't smoked a Fosto in probably geez I don't know seven years. Because, yeah. like, when I smoke tat, it's always, like, one of those, the, either the surrogates, or uh, I'm a big Latelier fan. Oh, dude, I'm the, the Avion. Oh, the Avions. Bro, not, the Avions, yeah. if I find the 13s or the 11s in any store, I'll buy five or six of them. I'll just, like, sit on them because those are so good. I actually just joined Saints and Sinners this year. So I'm, they're going to send out some stuff this October, I think, so. Hopefully, see the monster series was always my jam. Yeah, yeah. I love Petite Lancero, and Mike, good old boy Mike, makes fun of me all the time for Petite Lanceros because he hates Petite Lanceros, and I'm like, the the flavor and complexity that you get out of that size cigar, you have to be spot on, and. I think for any manufacturer, like if you were to do a Petit Lancero, I'm sure it'd be fire. Fire, because the way you blend and your your flavor profile would match well with a Petit Lancero. And so it's it's just, man, that's my jam, man. I can't say anything good, you know, can't say anything good enough about it because it's just, that's, that's my point, man. That's if you can make a good petite lancero, you can do some really good things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when Caldwell did the Eastern Standard Silk Road lancero. Oh yeah, and how drastically different the blend was because the actual Eastern Standard has lajero in it. Yeah, but you couldn't have lajero in the lancero thick. because it was it it. It also just that's all you tasted because yeah. the wrapper ratio so to filler. Bold. So it was a real challenge to get that, but it's such a dynamite cigar. Yeah. Like it's like it feels like when I smoke it, it's it's like a, a portrait of the Eastern Standard. It's not the Eastern Standard, but it's a portrait of it. Like it's it's an interpretation of it. Yeah. Because you couldn't do the exact same thing and make it work in that blend. You got five different tobaccos in there. Right. But in a Lancero, you get two, you know, or like, so that's super fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, as Sip Suds and Smokes like to say, all things good in life are worth discussing. And I appreciate you for being here. And I look forward to what you do in the future. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And this is good old boy Barger signing off. And you guys smoke well. Anything to say in closing? No, just enjoy what you smoke. That's right. Enjoy the experiences because that's what they are. Their moments, their experiences, their memories. Enjoy it. All right. Well, y'all have a good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. Just tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast, Sip Suds and Smokes. We love your feedback. And you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. 
Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at Sip Suds and Smokes. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands, millions, and millions of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode, and keep on sipping. This has been a One Tan Hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. Thank you.